All right, things are changing. The family's growing, obviously, listeners and patrons. But I'm talking about a host team. We've added some folks to it, and some of the folks you've been hearing from, you'll be hearing from a little bit more regularly. In fact, the first part of this episode, there's two parts. The first part, you'll get to hang out with two of our new regular co-hosts, alongside Ellen, who you're very much so used to. And then lastly, the second part of this, Priscilla popping in. You guys remember her. She's my wife. I'm married to her. Talk a little bit about Will Smith. Let you know why here. But before that, once you gather the kids around, I've got a little special treat for them. More hosts coming your way. It's a fuller podcast, baby. And I'm excited about you hearing from my friends. Hey, parents, gather your kids around right now. I'm serious. At least if they are eight or below, go get the damn kids. Oh, sorry if your kid's already there. Today is Experiment with Adobe Premiere Day. I'm fooling around on this thing. Today's my day off. I just thought it'd be fun while I learn to just go ahead and make some fun stuff that we could all smile at, take a break in our day and just, you know, smile, smile. So here we go. Quick note, this is a part one and part two all in one episode part two has some chris rock and will smith talk it would be silly for me to apologize for anything along the lines of what we choose to talk about but i do want to recontextualize real quickly over the next few months i'm going to be introducing some folks on the show that consider close friends and let's put it this way i'm trying to get to come on here regularly and form like a podcast family maybe even some spinoffs maybe even some spinoffs maybe even some spinoffs spinoffs i don't know i can't think of a fuller way of podcasting so the, so the whole point of this episode is to let you get to know them we happen to be scheduled to record the night after the oscars well this is how you'll get to know them. I'm going to do an anonymous survey. No one's ever going to know this. You and God will. You have to answer in your heart. You may think that I am childish, but I'm going to tell you right now that I do some more speeding up and slowing down voices at the end of this episode. And you actually will have to wait until the end of my outro music to the very end. You'll have to wait for it. I will let it play 10 seconds of blank time. And you know who's going to listen to the very end of 10 seconds to hear? Every single one of you. I can't relate to the people that are just interested in one gender because I am interested in both of them. But then when I met someone and then I had very strong feelings for them I realized oh this is an option and they're also a Christian and I like prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and also gay people are not the ones having abortions so we're trying to find them we're trying to find the babies that we can have if abortion (laughs) is your is your one uh issue vote then you should probably be more gay because couple of lesbians are not having any abortions literally no abortions from the gay community like if i if i were to pop somebody i would back up and be like now fucking do it i'd yell at you and be like bring it All right, one of the more unique episodes thus far in the history of Pastor With No Answers. So I want to introduce to you three dear friends of mine, Amy Alderman. Our story is kind of crazy. So I graduated a year under Joey in high school. Our our paths did not cross. We both went to Winthrop College. I went for two years, and then I got a little bit knocked up, and so then I came home. A little bit knocked up. A little bit. I've I've only been fully knocked up, so I don't know what what a little bit is. (laughs) So then I didn't. Our paths didn't cross there. Our daughters danced together. Um, His oldest and my youngest are two days apart, and they danced in the same studio together. 
So you're in the same really? town. You grew up together in the same town. Yes. You're like small, small town folk. Yes. And okay. finally, our paths crossed at Seacoast Church. Okay. Cool. So like a little over 10 years now, I okay. think that we've known each other. And really, I think that um, Joey probably would have dumped me a long time ago, but like his wife, Priscilla, loves me. <laughs> let's <laughs> so let's be real. Let's be real. Joey wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for his wife. <laughs> he's got good merit on his own. Like, I mean, he's really good at making you feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable or comfortable? Uncomfortable. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, because that's true. <laughs> Liz Miller. Yeah, I mean, his wife is my best friend and our kids are like brother cousins pretty much to each other. I moved here in 2008 and I went to Seacoast. Uh, my late husband and I joined a small group. Joey was leading it. That's how we met him and his family. And then I started volunteering at the church. And then after that, it, that led into me working for Seacoast. I loved working for Seacoast. It was such a great job. Part of it was just because I was working with all of like my favorite people. I was Joey's admin. He would always try to make me uncomfortable or anybody like you were saying, Amy, he'll make comments and stuff, but he can't make me uncomfortable. So it's it, entertaining. Same. Um, Does he check in with you ever to see oh, yeah. if he's, I've, I keep calling him out on that. I'm like, Joey, by now you don't have to check in with me the next day if you've hurt my feelings. Like just, it's a blank. Don't worry about it. Yeah. He'll give me like a, like a novel back, like, Hey, clarification on this. this, yes. and this. I'm like, you, I, I gotcha. I can yeah. read through the lines. <laughs> and Ellen Morrow. Oh, just through the podcast world. Cause I'm up in, in Seattle, back with bad Christian stuff, there was sort of a an overlap a little bit on another pad, podcast that I was co-hosting. So we've never met in real life, which is weird. He's tall. I don't yeah, feel like tall. I'm miss. I, I'm not missing anything. <laughs> I mean, like I'm I'm cool with our friendship as is. I don't need to fly out and meet him. We're good. I would love to fly out and hang with Priscilla though. So let me tell you how all this got put together. My buddy. His name's Matt Oxley. He helps me out with a lot of stuff. He's on the PWNA team. And he was just doing a little bit of statistical research and found that the percentage of listeners, pastor with no answers listeners, 23% female listeners. Now, part of me says, hey, I can't help who listens to my podcast. And I do know a lot of women that do like it. I don't think it's like a unsafe place for women, but I can't help who's listening. But then there's another part of me that says, I've got so many dynamic, wonderful, well-spoken ladies in my life that I honestly would be so delighted to share with you. One of my favorite things about this podcast is, is like showing off my friends. And so we are going to make a, a habit out of this. Maybe even it'll branch off into its own podcast. We will see. So here's what we're going to do. You are going to hear from these women. And it's kind of a two-parter. First of all, it's an introduction to Amy, Liz, and you guys know Ellen. But it is also the Will Smith situation. I know you're getting sick and tired of hearing about that. I get it. Well, this is more of a, I want you to meet some new people that you're going to be hearing a lot from on this podcast. We happen to be scheduled to record the night after the Oscars. Well, 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 this is how you'll get to know them. Well, how you'll get to know them. What I really look forward to doing is actually following up with the episode that you're about to listen to. I wasn't present in this conversation. You'll hear it. So now I've got some questions. I got some questions about these three. Now, this is a lot of content and I'm looking forward to you hearing it all. There's going to be little beeps in there. We kind of jump around a little bit. So when you hear a beep, we kind of went into another direction. Meet Amy, Liz, Elamero. Yeah, that's well, fine. one time when we were, Priscilla and I were working, Joey would get, he, he would always stay super calm, but he would get kind of frustrated because it would take an hour and Amy, you know, this like for everybody to leave the church. So Sunday morning was like our big event. It would take us forever to actually leave the church. And then we'd get to the front 
and we would still be talking. And then we would get to our cars and we would still be talking. There were several times when Joey would just say, all right, Liz, can you drive Priscilla home? I'm going to just go home now. I'm not mad. I swear I'm not mad, but can you just drive her home? And I was like, no, 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 we're, we're going to leave. We're done. We're done. And then there was another time where he literally just turned the car off and got out of the driver's seat. So like showed me the seat and was like, go ahead and like, let me sit there. He's like, I'm just going to go in and work and I'll be back whenever you guys are done. Listen, I can't tell you how many times before we would go over to um, Joey and Priscilla's house that my husband will be like, before we leave, let's just be clear. We're going to leave at 10. And like, really, we've been invited until like eight. But he'd be like, we're going to leave at 10. Like, I'll give you the bonus hours. Eventually, Joey is just like going to bed. Like, he's upstairs. Good night, guys. Have fun. See you. Like, I've been over there to like two, three in the morning. I'm like, what am I doing over here this long? And you're right. Joey's like, it's fine. Like, but I'm going to live my life. He just makes a choice for himself. He's like, and I'm out. Liz, I just thought of something for the first time ever. Okay. So I'm pretty like, like, I don't like the patriarchy. Okay. That's where I'm coming from. Oh, I love it. I mean, some people really do. So <laughs> we never know. But you were just talking about your best friend. And then you started talking about your wife. And I have literally never thought about the fact that as heterosexuals, we don't just like casually refer to our husbands as our best friends. You have the girl best friend. And then yeah. you have your husband. But I've never thought about the fact that if you are married to a woman and then have a woman best friend, like, why isn't your wife your best friend? It's kind of like a parallel friendship is how I would look at it. Because I think you always have to have whoever your best friend is, whether you're male or female, you should have a best friend or somebody super close to you outside of your marriage that is or not relationship. Your, yes. yeah, that's not your significant other. And so for me, that's Priscilla. But Alex and I always will tell each other on like a daily basis, you're my best friend. And she really is. I don't know how people are married to people that they don't consider their best friends because that feels very like transactional. I mean, it also kind of is. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, she is for sure like my best friend, but I do see it on a different level. I'm just thinking now, like, what if I had a guy best friend that would not fly with my husband? And he's really liberal. I I, I just can't believe I've never thought about this before. Same sex couples also have same sex best friends. And if like that friendship was established before you guys were together, I think that's better. I think if a new friendship is to form later, and it's possibly the opposite sex for us, then it would be like, well, that's interesting. You know, yeah, you like if I went out and got a guy best that. friend, my husband tomorrow, like, mm. yeah, that would be a little strange to your husband, yeah. possibly. Yeah. But I think those friendships that are established beforehand, they're not threatening. When did you meet your wife? Alex is her name? I met her two years ago in 2000, the very beginning of 2020, right when the I'm pandemic sorry, started. And you had a budding relationship during the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> and we became so close because you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything. So we were together 24 seven. And my friend at work was like, well, that kind of adds at least three or four months to your relationship. (laughs) Sorry, I know that this is really none of my business. You were in a heterosexual marriage before and then there was a shift or did you meet someone and then there was a shift based on the person you met? Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah. I met someone and then there was a shift. And then I realized that that was an option that I did not think that I had. And I don't think I would have explored that because of the fact that I do like guys also. I can't relate to the people that are just interested in one gender because... I am interested in both of them. And so I'm, a, I'm attracted to both of them. So for me, wasn't something I necessarily would have, I would say I ever struggled with because I, I did like guys. But then when I met someone and then I had very strong feelings for them, I realized this is an option and they're also a Christian. And I like prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I know I talked to Joey about it too. I just was telling him I met such a piece about it. It took a ton of prayer to really, really do the research and make sure it was me making that choice and not religion making that choice. That relationship ended and then I met Alex. In between, I was interested in both. Very much so open to dating a guy or a girl. It was not like, oh, my husband's dead. I'm going to go date girls now. 
which is what I'm sure a lot of people would perceive that to be like, oh, you know, her husband's dead. She's mourning so much. She could never be with another man. I'm like, if you are straight, there is nothing that's going to make you (laughs) want to have sex with the gender that you're not attracted to. (laughs) So were you attracted to women before the relationship after Joshua or no? I mean, I always appreciate somebody that's incredibly attractive. But I didn't necessarily have any feelings except for this one girl. Oh, Radicky. If you're out there, I went to high school with her and she was a cheerleader and she was a junior. I was a freshman and I was enamored by her and I could not figure out why. But she's the only one that I would say that I really was like that interested <laughs> in to where if she had like put a move on me, I probably would have been like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) The majority, like 98% of the people have just been so incredibly happy for me that I am happy because I think they thought that I would never open my heart up again because I swore up and down I wouldn't. For the people that really love me were just so happy that I was going to open my heart up again. And so they were just like, we don't care who it is. (laughs) Like, we're just so glad she's (laughs) happy and she's in love and there's hope for her to still have a relationship because I'm still so young. I going to say, TikTok has made me realize maybe I'm a little bit lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't know. And I, pe- I think people go yeah. from one end to the other. I think there are people that are very far left and very far right. And I think there's people that are in the middle. There's people that until they meet someone that does it for them, they don't know. Until then, most of us, especially in our culture, are just kind of like homophobic. And we're like, ah! Danger, danger. You just survived, I guess, the 10th anniversary of Josh's passing. And he passed in a car accident your two children were in. And they were two and seven weeks. I didn't know that they were in the car. Yeah. So it's been 10 Uh, years. It feels like it was yesterday. And it also feels like it was another lifetime ago. If that could even make sense. Wait a minute. Wait, sorry. I uh, did both children survive? Yes. Both children survived. Um, My son was in one of the... (laughs) I was like not ready. I was not ready for this. They're upstairs probably playing with the Spencer kids on the Nintendo game. Okay. They're both very much alive and happy and very healthy. My son was in those little car seat carriers that you put into the base and Mm -hmm. his car seat came out of the base. So he had a brain bleed, but it was reabsorbed and he's fine. And then my daughter was in um, her car seat. I always tell people to put those little soft things on the straps where it Uh hits their neck because she was very much so burned right here from her straps on on her shoulders. But other than that, it is amazing. They are completely fine physically. I did Um, listen to the the spooky stories that Joey was doing. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. That was you, right? Where you you drove by. Was that you? So we were driving and... My friend Jen was in the front seat with me and Hannah was in the um, car seat in the back. And right as we were coming up to that section of the road where his accident had happened and just like it was quiet. Nobody was talking in the car. Everybody's just so shocked that anything had just happened. And so there wasn't a ton of conversation happening that and all of a sudden and just like the sweetest, most elated voice. She was just like, Daddy. And it was right when we got to that spot where the accident happened, I just froze and like my heart just like went up into my throat. And I looked at Jen and Jen looked at me and nobody said anything. And she just kept saying, Daddy, as if she saw him. And I looked at Jen and then after probably what felt like a minute, it was probably 10 seconds, Jen said to me, she did just say that because she could see in my eyes, did that just happen? And did I hear that right? And she said, she said that. And I was like, did she just say daddy? And she was like, she just saw him. And I was like, that is just, it's awesome. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I think some people might think it's sad. And I just took like such a piece from it. I loved that feeling that she saw him. And I love that he appeared for her. I love that he had that moment for her to see him. The first time she crossed over that 
spot the last time she saw him dead. And that time she saw him, I guess, on the side of the road, waving or smiling. And she was just like shouting for him. But she wasn't sad. She wasn't like turn around or stop, come back. She didn't say anything like that. I don't know. It's like in her brain, she knew it wasn't something we would stop for, which in like your normal thought process, you would think, well, would you stop and turn around? Or would they say, why aren't you turning around? But that just didn't come out of her mouth. She was satisfied with seeing him and something in her brain knew that it wasn't something that you could stop for. Like it was right. just, she was just grateful for the sight. And it just brought me a ton of joy to know that that was what she saw the first time she passed that spot, as opposed to a horrible sound coming out of her right. mouth so cool sad and, and cool like he was like if that's the first time you drove i feel like he was there looking over you yeah and i think that's why i have such a piece about him not being here anymore i always tell people i miss him of course but the biggest challenge for me is dealing with like the ptsd from that day and the tragedy itself that's what haunts me and is difficult. It's not so much the part about him being gone because I just know that I'm going to see him again. I was just kind of thinking that was like his way of saying I'm okay because that was the last place she saw him. Mm-hmm. Sorry, can you guys hear my kid yelling and screaming for me? Well, now he stopped. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? Yeah, cool. Yeah, but I think it's like the sweetest sound. Because I'm past that stage. <laughs> you forget. It's like child yeah. labor, Amy. You forgot what it feels like. Yeah, you forgot. A friend of mine just today, she's got like an 18-month-old like I do. I don't know. I just am getting that itch. I said, it's a scam. Don't freaking do it. <laughs> I will tell you. I used to tell people before, like, no, if you can have kids, do it. And now I'm like, oh, I was, I was like, I was wrong and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, so Liz, I know they were young, but they still had to like, you still, as you grow up, I mean, forever, they'll probably be processing what that looks like to grow up without their dad. And was it difficult? You were in a relationship for a while, obviously, like before you said before Alex, when that relationship ended, was that like, were you concerned? Like, oh, God, now what's going to happen? Like, is this going to feel like a huge loss to my kids? And yeah, yeah, I dated her several years. She took them on a car ride and kind of just explained to them how much she cared about them. And that even though her and I were not going to be together, it had nothing to do with them and that she would always be there for them. But I definitely had that concern that that was another loss for them. Mm-hmm. I also feel like I had so many people surrounding me that were loving on me that although there was that concern of that loss, they have so many people that love them that I could call at any time of the day or night that would be there for me or them. So I also have to remind myself how much they still have. Although that was their first next loss, they're going to have loss throughout their whole life in different ways with friendships. When you're friends with a kid one day, giving them the tools to learn how to cope with any kind of a loss is what my job is at that Mm -hmm. point. But I think that being that first loss was definitely something that I was concerned about. Now, did they have any questions? Like, okay, you're dating a woman. Were they at all like, what is that? That's what I want to know. Yes. So what's really cool is they were so young. They don't know anything else. If anything, they're more used to seeing (laughs) a same sex couple together. Well, I guess I can't really say that because they have plenty of examples of heterosexual couples. As far as their mom goes, they have only seen me with a woman. So for them, it's very natural, very normal. And they don't have that stigma. They're not, you know, when they go to school, and of course, everybody in a school will come share all their thoughts and views that their parents have. But my kids know. I forget that you guys are in the South. I, I was just like, what's the problem? Cause I'm, from, I'm, I'm in Seattle. I'm like, what's the big deal? And they're like, Oh, right. right, right, right. Yeah. You guys are dealing yeah. with a different deck of cards down there. To forget like when you're like, Oh, you're in the South. And I'm like, Oh, is it that weird? So I have like a hard time. Like, yeah, your face is like, yes, it's weird. Yeah. Well, and like, I'm not from here. So I'm from all over. My dad was in the military, but the place we lived the longest was Washington DC, which is like the melting pot of the world. Mm-hmm. I saw 
all kinds of people. And that's what I was used to. I lived in Germany. I lived in Korea. I've been the minority. I've been the majority. And when I moved down here, I was very uncomfortable. What is going on in uh, North Carolina about, well, we know what's going on with Texas and Florida and that stuff that don't don't say gay and um yeah because if you say gay then they're well to turn gay and right because as we all know well i don't know about you liz (laughs) but for me when i learned about gay people i didn't become gay really i mean is your experience that of people being negative towards you and alec not really for us personally i mean i have no filter so please come at me and say something yeah i was I gonna say no most problem. people keep to themselves in the south but if somebody separates something to say then all right let's talk but in all seriousness i have said that to several people let's talk so that way they can understand and i appreciate when people ask your curiosity shows you care and that you're interested, whether you want to admit it or not. And so I would rather give you the correct information than have you just have in your brain what people have fed you or told you. But for me, I mean, I work in a middle school in the South. I have very supportive bosses, coworkers. I have not experienced that necessarily personally, but as a collective, like, person, you know, as a whole, somebody that's in that community, we had parents saying they didn't want the pride flag on the wall as it's basically a law. We can't have any flags. So we had to take the flag down. So I felt like I had a target on me for several weeks with parents emailing. And so we started GSA, Gay Straight Alliance Club. And so I think those parents are probably like, man, we should have let them keep the flag up because now they fucking... (laughs) created a club so now yeah now we're now we're coming for you. yeah and my wife has been but we have so many kids that have come that just finally feel like they have a place that they can be themselves and i feel like they can go like and breathe and not try to like defend themselves or walk around with a you know hard shell because they're going to be teased i'm a recovering very conservative by the way very conservative republican recovering thank you <laughs> I think I will always wonder why conservative Christians are just obsessed with other people's sexual sins. And I'm using the quotes for the podcast. Listen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it is so wa- it's wild. Gay people, why do yeah. you care so much? It's and like if if you're if you're so worried about procreation, like if that's the thing, let's talk about adoption. If you're so worried about the sinful perversion of of it, which I don't believe it's perverted, then let's really hone in on the men that are into pornography child pornography yeah that are all white conservative males (laughs) right and also gay people are not the ones having abortions we're trying to find them we're trying to find the babies that we can have if abortion (laughs) is your is your one issue vote you should probably be more gay because a couple of lesbians are not having any abortions literally no abortions from the gay community I really don't understand their obsession with it and why they like to just harp on it. And it's almost like this elitist feeling that they have, like I'm straight and you are. Yeah. It's a self-righteous like us versus them. For sure. And it's like the, I love you, but, and I'm like, no, there's no, but whatever you're going to say after that, but is irrelevant because now I don't believe the first part. It's not an Mm -hmm. I love you. If you can't want for me and my family all the good things and wonderful things you want for yourself and your family, that's not love. That's not being a Christian. I also used to always say they should do whatever they want. I just don't agree with it. What does that mean? Like, why do you get an opinion on my life? Like, okay, just so we all can like be very clear. I do not like to compare being gay when they're like, oh, well, if you're overweight, then you're gluttonous. That's a sin. Or you are an alcoholic. That's a sin. I don't ever like to compare the the different things that are in the Bible. But for just for like comparison's sake, imagine if like this heterosexual couple that had an affair, if I exploited your affair almost on the daily or every Sunday, or if it was always in the news, your personal affair, if I constantly exploited that, you would not feel loved by 
any church, you would be like, why are you so against me? And it's none of your damn business. Also, mm-hmm. I know that somebody wouldn't be okay with that. They wouldn't want their affair to be out there for everybody to have an opinion about. So then why can they then have like an opinion or comment on who I'm with? And why do you care so much? Because when you say, oh, it's because I want you to go to heaven, like bullshit. That's not why. It's because you like being right Right. and you like being self-righteous. That is Well, and right is very relative when we're talking about what you've just been taught your whole life. So you feel that you are right. Yeah. I'm so glad that I feel like you have this job to like tell everybody, like it's my job now to tell you why you're a sinner. Right. You know, like it's too bad that you've chosen that lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in like a very loving monogamous relationship. That's very healthy. Oh, it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling for somebody to look at you and see just that, like, as if this is my identity, mm-hmm. gay is my identity. Like there's so much more to me. And why, why do you choose to pinpoint that to be, it's, why would you, you wouldn't have their identity be like, they're the black person. Like, right. Well, a lot, know? a lot of people do a lot of people and they shouldn't shame on right. them, but right. it's like the same comparison. I just, sorry. I just realized now that why Joey put us together. It's like, it's the bisexual, the overweight one and the alcoholic. This is a joke to him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well played, we Joey. We check all the boxes. We check all the boxes. The you, thing go ahead. that is so crazy to me is that you can either spend your life the way Christ did, which was loving on the marginalized and saying, hey, these are the people that count. Or you can spend your life looking to be at the top. That pursuit is just going to be like the be all end all for you. And that's all you're going to have. Were you guys ever in that place before, or maybe when you were younger, when you when you thought of gay people, fat people, alcoholics, whatever, as lesser? Have you been there? Yeah, I have. I think that that's something that we're taught and you hear all the time. So mm-hmm. you receive all this information and you internalize it. And you think that that's what's true because that's what human is man is telling you humans are telling you this. And it's like, that's not really what God's saying. Like God is not saying this stuff about overweight people or about gay people. It's the church. It's the people that are making all these. It was a, it was a narrative and an interpretation that was told to us. And that's all we got. That's pretty dangerous. What's a, a big deal is, so like I've struggled my whole life feeling like I'm unlovable, right? Like I think there's plenty of people that can say they feel that way. And then, Amy, you're the very... most lovable person ever. So <laughs> I, I was know. just going to say, I already like you. Well, thanks. Like one thing I feel, and, and Priscilla yells at me and says, that is not true, but it is so true. <laughs> Priscilla's a liar. I am so bad at when people are grieving. I would always feel so, I always felt like a bumbling idiot when I would be around you for like the first year after Josh passed away. Girl, I was so highly medicated. I don't even know if you got to me. (laughs) See, every, uh, there's a lot of people who were like, she doesn't know. She doesn't know. You never were awkward around me. So if that makes you feel better, when I was coherent, you were never awkward around me. You were always funny. I always thought you were just a really funny person. When I think of Amy Alderman, I think super funny. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel like I was just like, all right, I feel awkward. Let's joke around. (laughs) Oh, we're the same. Amy, we are the same. We are the same. You know, someone's grief is personal and it's real and it's so hard. And if you don't know someone well, you you don't want to not acknowledge it, but then you don't want to be weird about it. So then I just start to overthink it. It can be my family. And then we haven't talked about this yet, but I have like really bad anxiety. And Girl, what meds are you on? <laughs> I'm on Citalopram. Oh, on Zo- no. What am I on? Wellbutrin and Clonopin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'm Lexapro for life. So like, do you ever get in those moments where you're like, I can't think about what if I forgot how to swallow because I'll start to drool and be like, I can't swallow. Do you do that? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) It's so stupid. Yeah. Like, like you can't go to sleep because you're like, what if I don't wake up? I think you might need to ask me like on a nightly basis. I think you need to up your doses. (laughs) I know. I'm serious. 
Yes. I check the doors 50 times, the knobs. I go to the stove and I redo because I have OCD and Mm -hmm. I redo all of the things. And sometimes I'll even turn it on and then turn it off. You know, you have to take pictures. And Alex will catch me and she's like, it's fine. Let's go to bed. (laughs) They don't get it. Hold on, doing the light switches. (laughs) They don't get it. You know, sometimes with, with my medication, like my OCD, like ebbs and flows. And I was doing really well for a lot of years, not having any ticks or rituals or anything like that. And then when I got back on my anti-anxiety medication after I had really, really a traumatic postpartum situation, my anxiety was better because of the medication, but the OCD was like, it's like touch all the things all the time. Yeah. My and if you just was telling me to white knuckle it and she's like, cause if I go in one door, I have to go out the same door. And when mm-hmm. we're at school, if we, if mm-hmm. I go into the cafeteria one way, my friend that I work with, if everybody's going out the other way and I'm going the opposite direction, they're like, where's Liz going? And she'll be like, she has to go back out the same door she went in. And so my therapist is like, you have to white knuckle it. And so when I do white knuckle it, there's like this little celebration inside where I'm like, I did it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good that you can celebrate it because, and you don't go home and lay in bed at night and be like, I have to go back to, I have to go back. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all make me feel way normal. I'm like, I don't need more medication. Y'all do. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a whole thing. I have to out loud say to myself, Ellen, yeah. you have just turned the oven off. You have just turned the oven off. The oven is off. I have to say I that out loud. I blew it out at school today. Yes. And I said, Haley, is this candle blown out? And she said, yes, Liz. And I said, okay, hold on. And I blew it again. <laughs> There was no flame. And then yeah. I set it on the thing and I said, I need you to just say out loud that the flame is gone. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, Liz. And I was like, I'm so afraid I'm going to be the one that burns yeah. down the school. Yeah. It's, well, that's, that's reasonable because oh, you're like all on the news and that's kind of scary. Like, yeah. Just the sound of the door handle over and over and over and over. But it's, it's like, I get that really feeling. it's comforting to know that other people do that also because yes. I always thought I was the only one just like that token phrase I didn't know that other people did that and I thought I was the only right. one that would do things twice if I walk through a door and my twice nudges it, I have that's to pretty good <laughs> yeah I have to do everything twice I mean like it sounds ridiculous and I didn't nope. think that anybody else did that. No, nope, I have a CD too. And Joey and I talked about light switches and stuff before. I'm like, I just get stuck there. <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel right. And you have to do it enough times until it feels right. And even if you do it, the amount of numbers, like my number is like not even really a true number. It is more like a rhythm or a feeling or a, a sound. God, this is so crazy to say out loud. But even if I do it the right amount of times, again, my medication has helped and we're all like good now. But <laughs> even if, if if I complete the sequence, right, if it doesn't have that tactile good feeling right at the end, I got to start all over. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we have to actually go. Like, we got to go. You got to get in the yeah. car and go. No, no, no. I got to start this whole thing over again. Oh, I found my people. <laughs> I miss working so much. What I've learned about being a stay-at-home mom is not everyone is cut out for it. I hate it. I loathe it. I resent it. I hate it every single fucking day. I love my kids. I love being with my kids. I refuse to play. I hate playing. It makes me want, it makes my skin crawl. You know what I mean? So I would rather. Thank you. Well, that's also what I'm finding out. Thanks, TikTok. TikTok has been a very good thing for me. Well, nobody wants to admit those things because they're so prideful. Nobody wants to admit that. They want to be that perfect Norman Rockwell picture. I want to work with other adults that I can talk with. Also, start and complete a task. That's all I want. And I have not been able to do that for years. So, Because you're too Uh, busy switching the lights on and off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so tired, Amy. Yeah, I was young and just made it work. Just figured it out. And she's she's actually pretty impressive. Graduated with a 4.0, double major. Very prestigious grad school program now. But she's <laughs> He's a trans sponsor. To try to figure out what causes miscarriages in women. Well, and aren't you yeah. so glad you got kind of knocked up at 20 because look what you produced. Yeah. That's she's an amazing uh, person. Incredible. She is. 
You guys, when I lived with my, I lived with my daughter's father for a year and then we like went our separate ways and it wasn't, we weren't angry. He just never really wanted to get married and he didn't, and he still isn't. He never really wanted children, which he was clear about before Whoops. he got pregnant. You should definitely wear a condom then. So, because <laughs> that helps. So that's how that works. We, one day I remember coming home and just being like, Hey, I don't want to play house. So if you don't think we're going to get married, like, let me go find someone who will marry me. Mm-hmm. Now that I have a baby and I'm 20 and all. I remember when I lived with her dad and we weren't married, but you know, we were trying to do the right thing. We were very well received at the church where I grew up. Once we split up, I became everyone's pet project. Let me fix you and help you and be there for you. Let me buy your kid Christmas presents and help you with this. The minute I started dating someone and I'm going to move in with him. Oh, oh. Red There's letter. Literally a Well, vote. now they're praying for your soul. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm on the newsletter. That goes home, that goes through the mail. Like my grandmother goes to this church, guys. So she's seeing on her refrigerators the the newsletter that mails out, you know, once a week. And it says, you know, (laughs) Amy, Neil, make better choices. Like that, we're praying for that. They've decided they're going to have a a vote on a Wednesday night prayer meeting, you know, because there'll be enough people there to vote, to vote me out of membership. I said, can I just go ahead and remove my membership from this church so that my grandmother isn't sitting in this meeting embarrassed? What? I get it. Like, I might not be gay, but I understand, like, that well, sexual not sin even makes being people the orientation. Crazy. Yeah, but not even talking about orientation, just being so obsessed with anything sexual, purity culture, and all of that stuff. And I'm like, all of these churches have all these scandals. They're either yeah. pedophiles, or they're cheating, yeah. or they're stealing money. And I'm like, y'all need to fix yourselves before you come at me. I just feel like we need to to do better teaching, to worry about the speck in your own eye no, or the easy. plank in your own eye before the you're plank. worried about the speck in someone else's. I've worked with kids for a very long time, first through fifth grade. And then I did um, six through high school, working with youth at Seacoast, lots of other youth and just telling them like, if there's anything that I can impart to you, it's that you have to love yourself and love other people. And you need to see the value in people the way like God sees the value in people. And if the way could, God sees it, not yes, not how we want to see or it. Church, yeah, yes. And it's like God thinks like, I'm beautiful because I'm made in His image. I have value whether I'm 500 pounds or 150 pounds. E- either way, I have value. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to hurt what's underneath and pick away at what God has given you as your value, then you're forgetting the cross. Like he died on the cross to give you freedom for freedom's sake. So let's live in freedom. Let's not Mm -hmm. feel shame and guilt and condemnation. Let's stop putting that on other people. Like there's no need for that. It just gets so old to have to say like, guys, none of that matters. Like you're so missing the mark. If I hear that stupidest saying like, your church should look like a Walmart, not a country club, or like it's a hospital for the broken. No, yeah, I'm not broken. Like me being no. gay, I'm not broken. I'm whole. <laughs> we, I mean, there was a sermon that I heard within the last couple of years, and they talked about just that wanting us to feel welcome, and and that they used that word broken. It's so insulting. It's like why. The people that are that you might want to call broken, maybe they're struggling with something that actually is harming themselves and they need help or harming somebody else and they need help. But there's so much that is not in those categories that they still feel is classified as broken. Yeah, George painted his nails when he was little because he has an older sister and the four walls that we live in, everything was normal and there was nothing to be said about it. And then he came home from like preschool. He went to either CD or preschool or something and he had so much of it scraped off and I could tell. And I was like, buddy, what happened to your nail polish? And he was like, I think a little bit hesitant to tell me, but he took it off because kid said something to him. So he went into the bathroom and tried to pick all of his nail polish off and it broke my heart. Y'all taught him that. Whoever in that school, who their parents or their environment taught them to make him feel like he couldn't have that nail polish on. And he loved that nail polish. He thought he looked fabulous. Yeah, but it made him feel shameful. He felt like Mm -hmm. he felt shame. You're like four years old and you're already feeling that feeling from other people. Fingernail polish. 
You know what I yeah, mean? Well, like, it's like, cause what are you so afraid of? If somebody else has fingernail polish on, what does that, how does that affect you? That doesn't affect you. Hopefully it, the conversation will shift a little bit and we can focus on maybe other people, <laughs> some different thing. Isn't it? The things that we don't talk about end up having like all this weight. But if we would just talk about being gay, straight, trans, bi, it wouldn't be such a big deal. I think it's really interesting that you can grab a handful of people from different backgrounds and different places and like put them together and and say like, let's just talk about this subject and just see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And I love that all three of us can say it's wrong to marginalize anybody for any reason. Also, Liz, I like that you touched on the subject. You're not broken and you're not sinful. I think that the church in general really wants to say like, it's fine that you're a broken sinner mess. Like you can come here and and get fixed. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't, I don't think gay people are a broken mess that need to be fixed. Yeah. I don't want to go to a church where people are thinking, Oh, you're welcome here. And I'm your project. I want to go to a church where people celebrate my marriage and are invested in the health of my marriage just as much as they are a heterosexual couple. I have a very close family member um, who is in her early 20s. She's recently come out. She ended a a long-term relationship with a man. (laughs) And, uh, you know, she's like, I just want to let y'all know, you know, I'm gay. I was thankful that when she went to my daughter to like say, hey, I'm getting ready to like come out in our family. And like my daughter was like, well, you know, my parents are cool. It's fine. And she was like, no, I know that we could be the ones to be like, you do realize like we don't care. I mean, I remember telling her, I don't care if you're sleep. I didn't care that you were sleeping with this man beforehand. I I certainly don't care if you're sleeping with a woman now. Like, what's the difference? Like, it wasn't really any of my business. You know what I mean? Like, did your parents, like, because your parents are older, Liz, aren't they? Uh, Yeah, like 70. And they're also very right-wing conservative. My dad actually stopped going to the Episcopal Church when they allowed gay priests. And that was when indoctrinated in my brain, you know, um, love the sinner, hate the sin. And when I told him I was dating a woman and I explained to him my process because I can't expect him to jump on my train where I'm at, he's going to jump on at the beginning So I tried to give him a little bit of the story. I was so, so scared, so, so scared to tell him. I actually emailed him. I couldn't even do it face to face. And when he wrote me back, I have, I like fell to my knees and just cried because he was like, I am so sorry that you felt like you had to wait that long to tell me. And I'm so sorry that you were worried. I love you so much. And I'm just so happy for you. I would have never thought that he would have done that. And my mom even jokes. She's like, hey, if your dad's cool with it, it can happen to anybody. He loves Alec. He invited her to an oyster roast and I didn't know. And he didn't invite me. They love Alex's family and they just treat it like a normal relationship. And they don't make me feel like this dirty gay person. But that's not everybody's story. And again, I just feel so fortunate to have that be my story. But yeah. My parents were pretty cool. All right, so diving back into another another conversation with them, uh, them women folk. Amy and Joey grew up on James Island, and you guys both have that. Give me a reason to fight. I wish I wish you said my name. Like you guys both yeah. have that in you. You kind of just need an excuse. Listen, <laughs> I have experienced Just, it with Joey. I have seen it with Amy. I think it's James Island. I don't think it's your Enneagram. Or that you no, grew up James in Island. a family of five. So, you guys are just are, James Island. Do you guys do you guys want to try this or not? Because I'm totally fine sure, with yeah. not. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. I'm, okay. Now I'm all ready to rumble. Okay. Cool. <laughs> cool. So do I have to do I have to tell Ellen I'll punch her in her face again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're recording. Mean, meanwhile, I watched this thing. This morning, because I, I didn't see it in real time last night, I got a, a text from Priscilla in the middle of the night when I went to use the restroom. And I, it's I, always good I to have opinions from people who didn't witness. 
the thing yeah. that they have an opinion yeah. about. Well, I saw I saw the right? clips. I, I'll I'll give you a a snapshot on my current thoughts this second, and they could change when I see sentiments like I don't respect Will Smith anymore, and I can't believe he did that. And I'll read some sentiments from my brother that are are similar to that. I just I can't think of people in categories like that anymore. I think. Hopefully it's maturing, but especially looking at my life and my potential to cause great harm and make really stupid, spontaneous mistakes. I I don't think I don't look at this for Chris Rock or Will Smith and then have opinions made up about them, good or bad people or even good or bad actions in this situation. I think we can talk about healthy or unhealthy, but and I, I believe in good and bad. I just I don't put humans in that category. If he wanted to do something, he could have obviously gone on stage, took the microphone and said, please don't say that and leave the violence out. But I know what it's like to, like I said, to make a bad decision. So Amy, I think that you have, are you full (laughs) on board, not only with him getting on stage, but also bam, like you, are you on board with the hit too, or the slap? Like I have no, I have no issue with that. I mean, I really don't. It sounded like earlier in the day, you were actually happy about it. Like you, you, you revered him for that, correct? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say revered because I don't really revere famous people, but I mean, I saw it and I was like, hell yeah. That's so funny. Would you have wanted Dick to do the same thing? Dick being your husband and yes, I I make fun said of his that name. to him. Yes, I said it to him. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. I was like, you need to get jealous like that. No. <laughs> Joey, do not do that. I'd be that. so embarrassed. What what does it but what does it accomplish? Did it accomplish anything? Hell yeah. It said don't talk shit about my wife or I'll smack you too. All right. So it it accomplished for you, you're saying that it accomplished something personal within their whatever mar- type of marriage that they have. But it didn't accomplish anything for anyone else, correct? I mean, I I think it probably stung a little bit for Chris. <laughs> yeah, it did sting. All right, just wanted to just wanted to ask. Do you take what, what physical violence accomplishes in each in each scenario? It's nice it was a slap. It was not like he went up there and punched him to the ground, and he's like bleeding, and it was a smack. We we this would not we would not even be having this discussion. I don't think if it was in the news that this happened in a bar while they were hanging out after the Oscars. We'd hear no, about it, a non, but we wouldn't care a that non, much. To be fair, a non-famous person would have gone, was spent the night in jail. So That's what I was going to say. They would have been escorted out immediately and put in jail. Right. Instead, right. Will Smith that- stayed and took home an Oscar and took the stage to yep. be able to say what he wanted as long as he wanted to talk. So y'all think I'm being I too do, soft? I will say... I will say, I love, you guys, I love live television, and this is exactly why. I love it. I live for it. I don't know how you guys don't watch it live. Like, I will stay up to watch it, because I know things like this might happen, and last night, I hit the jackpot with live TV. (laughs) Here's the thing. Not as many people saw it as you would think, because nobody watches this award show anymore which is why so many people think it was staged which i don't think that it was listen growing up in your lives if you talk smack or talk back to your parents like i don't know what happened to you in your house but in my house if you talk back to your parents you were getting popped for it if my kids talk Define back to pop me, in the face and the mouth i have a and- very good feeling this conversation is going to take a turn in a minute <laughs> ellen loves corporal punishment is that what it's called yeah, corporal punishment yeah, awesome. she loves it she lives by it Go ahead, yeah, Amy. Yeah, me too. So, I'll, mute, I'll mute Ellen if she tries to deny that. Yeah, my dad would pop you on the back of the head, pop you in my whatever's clothes this. I mean, he always said to us, that is my wife. Like, you will not talk to my wife like that. Dick has said that to my children if they've been disrespectful to me and it's escalated to a certain point. I said always that or have, physically? He's never touched our children, but I have popped my children in the mouth plenty of times. When you say pop, is that like a Southern term for... Uh, like abused? No. <laughs> so it's a pop. Just, just asking. Yeah. I'm actually seeing for the first time that, can I say trailer trash? Amy, you're like. No, you cannot. I did not grow up in a trailer. Thank you. There were none know, around what? at all. Not hey, but also. Just so, so, are, a, so Amy graduated two years after me. We grew up. We grew up in the same. I graduated one year after you. One year. That's right. I've known you for a long time as adults you don't get as scrappy and hardcore as amy and then we have ellen the pc seattle non-violent person and i love it i'm just not gonna like 
you're not going to talk to me just any kind of way. They're just not going to do it. And I mean, I feel like Will was the same way. Like, you're not going to talk to my wife just any kind of way. I think that's okay. Yeah, like, well, you're just not doing it. Oh, yeah. I do. I do think that he seemed kind of off. I think that his heart was racing from the moment he like got out of the limo. I saw a tweet that said men would literally rather punch someone on national television before winning an Oscar than go to therapy. It feels like nobody is saying... The dude messed up, said something insensitive about his wife, and Will Smith lost it. Listen. That's a very sensible thing to say about any sensible person. And so you yeah, could say, you, you could, you could literally Will's say, you could say, you could say, joke. he slipped up. Is a mistake. It would, it would be. Yes. It, it, there's no one's, no one's saying that this was premeditated, Joey. The point is he. He got up and physically assaulted someone and then sat down and was clapping and everything's great and everything was normal. And he got to have his speech and cry and pretend like this was like, oh, this was like, I'm a vessel of love and blah, blah, blah. And so that is the problem. The problem is not that he punched a comedian, which I think is like pretty bad for comedians. The problem is that there were no consequences at all. What I want to say, I want this on the record. I don't think that a bunch of white people should be talking about a black woman's hair at all. What we about a white woman's hair? Of what goes into that? It's different, Joey. There's I've a grown up with black people my whole I mean, life. I know they have different hair than white people. <laughs> yeah, but there there's an identity to it. Yeah, but young, you're la- you guys are laughing, but like young black girls will get called to the principal office based on the hairstyle that they have, okay? This is this is more complex than we know. Where do you live? I think the alopecia thing is separate, but... I'm being serious. Where do you okay. live again? I, I'm clearly too woke for you guys. And <laughs> oh. here I am sticking up the data, and you're not even having that. Look. I'll let you guys embarrass yourself, and I'll sit back. I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to check. I grew up... I have never seen a black girl go to the office for her hair. And I've gone to school with a lot of black people. Maybe your area You know who of the also goes to church with a lot of black people? People who, well, I'm not calling you racist, but I'm saying just because you have black friends or grow up in black communities, it does not mean that you know the intricacies and the complexities of black people. Correct? Yeah, correct. But I, but I know families. Real, I, I don't see I don't blacks either, as like a homogenous people. But there are cultural things about not, black people that I not, appreciate. Joey. I wanted to just address the fact that this Jada Pinkett Smith head hair issue is a little bit more complex than just a shaved head. It is. I'm just saying it's it a little more complex. Okay. All right. So, Ellen, white women losing their hair, that's fair game? I mean, what are you saying? Black women and women both experience alopecia, right? Yeah. Both bad to make a joke about. But black women's hair, the culture of black women's hair is a very complex and personal thing that as white women, we haven't really had to deal with. When I, when, Whenever so- we're in a podcast or a room with a bunch of white people talking about black people, I get a little bit like, hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't be talking about this. We don't... <laughs> We don't know. So and this is not, this is going to be this is going to sound weird. Listening and, and not talking. Listening and this, not talking. I, I, I see. I disagree. I, this doesn't fall in race with me. Of course was, it doesn't, ta- Joey. Of course it doesn't, because you don't see it. Ellen, this isn't one of those situations that a white person can't see. <laughs> how is how, it? Was a dude pissed off? Joey, slapped another I'm, dude. All, you could talk about this without color, and the story doesn't change either the implications. All I'm, I'm saying. Here's the thing. If you really believe that, Ellen, then you should be super offended that a black man said that joke to a black woman. How do you know I'm you not? You should be. You haven't said it. You've cried about Will, but physical. I haven't heard you. <laughs> I don't believe in fi- physical answer. I don't believe that physical violence is the answer to that kind of thing. But all I'm saying is that this is more complex than just a G.I. Jane joke. Amy, you're not really taking that. kindly to all of this. You. You're, you're kind of pro everything that Will Smith Cause she's, did. I mean, she but, wants to what, punch me right now. Is what's I do have to say that I can't argue with Ellen's nonviolence posture. I can argue from a standpoint of, well, everyone has the capacity to lose control. At least he was defending his wife. But there's no way from a moral <laughs> standpoint as a Christian that I can say props for slapping him. But Amy, an elder of our church you would say wow slap okay i'm so glad you said of your church because i was like dude joey what are you 
Uh, yeah, I'm an elder. People's uh, respect just that just plummeted for Seacoast more. It was already at an all-time low because they have me, and I've been pastoring a church for so many years. Now they're like, and that woman is an elder? They're like, oh, makes sense. She's friends with Joey. Well, um, it sounds like... I'm not speaking for Seacoast. I'm not speaking for anyone but myself. And I am saying that I feel like that we really love as a society to like over analyze and make things like a way bigger deal than they are. Somebody said something crappy about his wife. And so he popped him one. That's all. Pop- We're like, oh, Would you, I think language is really important. And you say popped him one. Like it's this cute little, like, it's like a cute little thing that happened. It was like a, it was a violent, like, yeah, I agree with Ellen on that one. You seem to be like, minimize, like, it wasn't a little pop. Yeah, it, it, I think you're min- minimizing it a little bit. It was jarring for a lot. Have you it was seen the still and shot? Triggering for a lot of people. I just feel like if you were in a bar and you saw this happen, it would be over in a second and it's done. Yeah. And that person and would go to jail. No, they wouldn't because you know what? They'd be like, oh, they'd run. Whatever. I don't know where no, you I've live seen that stuff all. happen in bars. They run. Priscilla, do you yeah. think this is a race thing at all? You're, you're, you've lived in the South now oh, since Joey, 2000 and. I don't want this to go down. I don't want this to go down like the race avenue only because I'm saying that the black women's hair topic is something that the four of us don't know anything about. And I don't think we, we should go on about it. I think that when it comes to like women's hair and their breasts, those are two things oh, yeah. that really. Boots and hair is all we've got, Joey. <laughs> I would add a butt, but. Amy's right. I mean, I definitely think that like those two things are really sensitive issues for women. I think one, it is devastating for a woman who has to have a mastectomy. And I think it's devastating for women when you have handfuls of hair falling out and you have no control over it. It's jarring. I mean, look at you. Look at my husband, Joey. Like y'all, if you were losing hair, you shave your head and it's culturally acceptable i mean i have like 87 double chins if i shave my head like like it's not gonna be cute at all ellie you're not not supposed to laugh at fat jokes when it's a fat person talking in the south we don't do that shit no no no. i know sorry in the south we don't laugh at fat people joking about themselves i love that it was 87 it wasn't like 80 it was 87 Priscilla, do you... That's what I thought was funny. I I have a problem with the fact that in our society, as much as we have problems with violence, we should equally have an issue with making fun of people and verbal assault. I have a huge issue with his joke was like verbal assault. I want you to be just as upset about that. Sticks and stones. They taught us that. Sticks and stones. Yes, but sticks and stones is bullshit. And now we have kids in therapy. I just think like that saying is ridiculous. And I think that Jada was verbally assaulted, and my heart hurts for her because I know what that's like. Yeah, it's almost like I think that we should. She's the victim in all of this, by the way. she not, is. Not the now that's a really no, good point, not. Amy, because there's just ver- as if, as many instructions verbal, in the Bible, for instance, about guarding your your words than there is about nonviolent. If using words can be that devastating and that effective, then why was physical violence necessary to give you, Amy? Because you're the only, you're the one that's talking about loving it. Why was physical <laughs> violence necessary to, to give you like a yeah, good for him? You know what I mean? Like, why couldn't he have used words as well? If words I mean, can be that cutting and that devastating, why couldn't well, he? Well, he did use words? words as well. He did. Yeah. He said, "Don't put my wife's name uh, in your fucking mouth." To try mouth. to save his ass later. No, because that's just like say, like if I if I were to pop somebody, I would back up and be like, "Now, fucking he save yelled my wife's that- name. Do it." <laughs> I'd yell at you yeah. and be like, he, "Bring it." He st- he decided to use words <laughs> later. Yeah. I I believe that physical you violence said, is why only paired with this physical violence. I guess I don't think it's just as simple as he should or shouldn't have or could have handled it a different way. I mean, I I do wish he would have just. Gone up. I, I actually like that maybe he would have just gone up and made a point that you can you can level up and make better jokes than cutting people down to make other people laugh. I personally don't love that kind of sarcasm and joking. I've seen it done on people I love and it does infuriate me and I have wanted to hurt people when they do that. So I understand the emotion behind it. I don't know if we mentioned this. There was so much more to enjoy that was being presented. I just, I like, really love watching the Oscars. And I actually thought it was a pretty good one this year, minus minus that. And it took away from... But you get the best I mean, of both worlds. You got the beautiful moments and you got the fight. I mean, it's like going to a NASCAR a race television. and you got a good race and you got a good wreck. I saw somebody say, I love hockey. 
movie and I did not know the Oscars were this good. Have you guys <laughs> ever been in a physical fight before? Yes. Oh, Amy, let's hear about it. Sorry, <laughs> I get really excited about this dirty stuff. Oh my god. I thought gosh. you were nonviolent. Listen. How are you gonna take also, joy in my story of violence? I also am a true crime junkie. I'm not gonna go murder somebody, but if I met a murderer, I'd want to hear the story. So let's hear it. Does Liz How abuse conflict- her kids? Uh, I would say Liz is probably right in the middle of I have never gone through anything like that. I'm in it every day, all day. Lucky day, man. It's no fun not, because <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So lucky. And, and we're cutting up, and, and I don't know how we got onto the topic of it, but he was like, you know, I don't want anything to do with. I can only imagine what Wait. your face looked like. Wait, was you? But somehow it came up. He's like, "Yeah, I don't, oh, I don't, I, I don't do the." F- and I was like, "What is this?" Like, yeah, I, was, my face I was like, I hope he actually what? said, "I don't do the." F-. I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in cancel culture. I believe in accountability. Yeah, so I feel like instead of him canceling Chris Rock, he held him accountable. <laughs> All right, quick note, this is a part one and part two. All in one episode. Part two has some Chris Rock and Will Smith talk. It would be silly for me to apologize for anything along the lines of what we of what we choose to talk about. But I do want to recontextualize real quick. For the next few months, I'm going to be introducing some folks on this all of who I consider close friends and let's put trying to get to come on here uh, to get to come on here cast family we happen to be scheduled to work as well this is how you'll get to know them then why was physical violence necessary to give you, Amy, because you're the you're the one that's talking about loving it. Why was physical violence necessary to give you like a yeah, good for him? You know what I mean? Like why couldn't he have used words as well? If words I mean, can be that cutting and that devastating, why couldn't well, he? Well, he did use words? words as well. He did. Yeah. He said, "Don't put my wife's name uh, in your fucking mouth." To try mouth. and save his ass later. No, because that's just like say, like if I if I were to pop somebody, I would back up and be like, "Now fucking he save my wife's name. Do it." <laughs> he did. Don't put my wife's name uh, in your fucking to try mouth. And save his ass later. No, because that's just like say like if I if I were to pop somebody, I would back up and be like, now fucking yelled the- <laughs> Do it. 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 Do it.